0: Welcome to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast, industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector.
1: Hello and thanks very much for downloading this podcast. I'm Mark Stephen and it's maybe a wee bit late in the day to be saying it, but I'll say it anyway. Happy New Year to you. For months in the run-up to the year-end, we were being bombarded by government adverts telling us to prepare for Brexit, that come the 31st of December, things were going to change and that we needed to get ready, which is fine, but back then, and we're only talking a few weeks ago, nobody really knew what we were getting ready for. So here we are, two weeks in, are things any clearer now? Joining me this week for a post-Brexit market update uh, Ian McDonald, senior economics analyst for QMS. Ian's responsible for monitoring the market prices as well as updating the price and supply datasets within QMS, with the information being used to write their highly regarded market reports. Hello to you, Ian. Hi, Mark. Good to be with you. And uh, nice, nice to have you. And. Joining him is David Thompson, head of the Food and Drink Federation Scotland, representing food and drink manufacturers. Prior to his current role, David was a Scottish Government civil servant for 17 years, including six as head of food and drink. Hello to you, David. Hi, Mark. Can I start with you? I mean, what has changed? Can you outline the deal we now have with Europe?
2: Yeah, so the deal that we signed on the 24th of December means that a lot of things have changed. Let's start with the good news. The good news is that there are to be no tariffs, And the good news is that there is the continued recognition of UK uh, geographical indications. So the PGI system that's so important to the red meat sector in Scotland. Everything else, though, has changed. So uh, that means the types of paperwork that people will need to do, the types of process that they'll need to go through and the way that they deal with their customers. All of these areas have changed as a result of the deal.
1: Ian, what's been the immediate impact on the meat sector? in terms of the paperwork and the new sort of non-tariff
0: barriers that are that have come in that's that's quite significant the market impact has been pretty limited so far certainly no negative Problems um, feeding back through to the farm gate, but for the companies, it's uh, much harder than before to to export to the EU. It was always very difficult to export outside the EU, and it's now become just as difficult to get product into Europe. Certainly, some of the businesses are reporting that some of their product lines are are still able to to get across to uh, European customers, but it's the it's the sort of smaller, more irregular deliveries, ones which involve product coming from different companies which would be able to go on the same truck and then over onto onto the continent before that kind of trade has been halted because of all the different items of paperwork that are that are needed to to go with the product and it's it's a bit of a nightmare if you're if you're trying to do that kind of trade but if you've got a regular supply of similar products then it's then it's a bit easier um all from your your one site. But again, with the the paperwork comes added costs, and you need vets to to sign off the health certificates, and some instances that means you have to pay hundreds of pounds to get that that certificate signed. So it's uh, not great for the for the companies.
1: I have heard that you know these sort of group loads that are going or used to go across. You know, you could have a, a huge refrigerated unit going across with maybe twenty you know, different suppliers having product in there, you know, and if 19 of them have got it right, but one of them's got it wrong, the whole lot's up this morning.
2: Yeah, that's right, Mark. And and there's a couple of things about that. I mean, I, I can just go through the process for, you know, an individual set of items that you're sending across. So firstly, you need to have a thing called an EORI number, which is the Economic Operator Registration and Identification Number. You need one for the UK, You also need one for Europe, for your importer. You need to check your commodity codes and make sure that you're using the right classification. You need to, um, as we're talking about the the meat sector here, we need, because uh, it's an export of animal origin, it needs to have an electronic health certificate. It also needs to be, the starting company needs to be listed as an approved establishment to export products of animal origin. Animal products must enter the EU via border control post and be pre-notified by the EU importer on the Traces IT system. Products must be labelled correctly. And obviously, they need the new UK health and ID mark. And also, you know, you might need to have a customs broker, agent or freight forwarder, which might be different than before, to make that for you. So there's a whole list of things that go into exporting one product. And you're right to say that what they call groupage, where, the number of products from a number of different businesses would have gone together on one truck, that is proving incredibly problematic because each element of that truckload now needs to do all this level of paperwork and um, organisation. So if one person gets it wrong, that's a really significant issue. And what we're seeing right now in the news headlines, in the national news headlines, uh, is the effect of groupage on the seafood exporters who are uh, currently... Uh, having a really difficult time in getting the groupage loads uh, across to the EU for a vast variety of reasons. So I've used the term already that the the seafood exports or maybe the canary and the coal mine for a lot of general food exports from from Scotland, they've had to go first because they've got fresh and live produce. And so there may well be some big issues to come for anyone who uses groupage. And we've already seen uh, this week, uh, a number of the businesses that offer groupage Uh, begin to say that they can't offer that service for the next uh, few days or maybe even to the end of the month. So there are big problems being stored up there.
1: That list of requirements that that you reeled off there, David, which to use a technical term sounded frankly hellish, how much of that is new? How much of that would pre-exist at the 31st of December?
2: Other than making sure that you have labelled your stuff correctly and that you are licensed to process meat, all of it is new for export to the European Union
1: how has the market responded so far to this ian
0: well yeah that's the that's the, the the thing so despite all this new paperwork and companies uh exporting saying that their exports have been reduced and some companies probably aren't exporting at all certainly the sh- the sheep market has been buoyant at the start of the year its prices have surged um and we've we've seen the market go above where it was even at the start of the new season and the new season peak um so the sh- sheep market is certainly uh offset any issues on the trade side with the strength of domestic demand beef market uh last week the, the beef price at the abattoirs was yep it was holding up above where it had been in december at its low point uh still a couple of percent down on the autumn high but uh nine ten percent higher than last year so positive for the beef and lamb farmers so far however the the pork market is it's had a difficult start to the year so that's maybe the the one the one uh disappointing thing for farmers.
1: Why is the pork market suffering particularly?
0: Uh, So there's a number of factors there. The second half of last year uh, there was a lot of cheap pork on the European market, problems with the pandemic in the pork plants in Germany and and Holland. That meant exports to China were reduced and then in Germany you had the health problems with African swine fever in wild boar and that Prevented Germany from exporting to a lot of big markets. So that German pork was uh, staying on the European market. The European prices collapsed. And so there's a lot of cheap pork available for import. In the UK, there have also been problems with outages at the plants with um, COVID uh, cases there. So there's been a backlog of pigs, uh, so that, that all acted to, to pressure the market. And with the backlog of pigs, those going into the plants have started to become a bit heavier. Um, so product, maybe not perfect market specification, and that's been weighing on the market as well.
1: David, I've seen several politicians portray this as, yeah, we basically just need to get our heads around some additional paperwork. You know, and nobody likes change, I understand that. And this, you know, there's aspects of this that are completely new and therefore bothersome. But is it as simple as that? You know, are, are producers going to get to the stage when they think, yeah, you're fine, we can cope with this, it's no problem?
2: I really hope so. I don't see many signs of it at the moment. Across the whole of the UK, the trade flows and UK government are saying this at the moment. Anything that's going across the channel is um, about 70 to 80% of what it should normally be, even in January, which uh, uh, is normally a light month. So, actually, we haven't seen the worst of it yet, we don't think. We're also in a position where French customs have apparently been taking a light touch, but they're going to have to put an end to that. The Republic of Ireland's customs have purportedly been taking a light touch, but they're going to have to put an end to that relatively soon. So, yes, there is paperwork to be grappled with, but it's really complicated you've got a new system, a computer system being put in place and being tested live rather than, you know, having had proper proper testing. So all of that means, yes, there are lots of new things for people to deal with and lots of new procedures for people to deal with. So, so I rather hope that they will get used to it. But it's unavoidable that this additional paperwork and additional work will cost companies business, it will slow down their ability to service their customers. And it might well mean that they need to adjust who they're selling to. For example, if it becomes economically unviable to send small loads across to Europe, then that may mean that businesses have to exit the export market and seek customers within the UK without this level of paperwork. So I really do Want this to resolve itself, but we don't see the signs that it, that it's going to do that yet. Um, and even when it does, it's going to cost more for businesses.
1: If exports going to become for some companies more trouble than it's worth, what's that going to do to the balance of trade?
2: Well, it's not going to be great, is it? In Scotland, uh, you'll know um, the the stats for food and drink. You know, fifteen billion pounds turnover, of which well over six billion pounds is, is exports. Food is an important one and a half billion pounds of that, and. Uh, you know, what we're seeing uh, in the seafood sector with lots of small businesses, but which are high value businesses being affected, then, then you can see uh, the balance of trade taking a, a bit of a dip over the next uh, few years, which is, of course, a real shame for all of us who uh, harbour ambitions for the industry to grow and to grow globally.
1: What's the mood music from from the meat sector? Ian, you know, are, are they, uh, you know, obviously they're still adapting at the moment, but you know, are, are they confident they can meet these challenges in the future? So far, what we're hearing is that some of the some of the product is still getting through, um,
0: while others is uh, they've been uh, reducing the amount of product that they're they're selling to. European customers Um, there's some real headaches if you're operating cross-border supply chains um, between uh, UK and Europe or UK and the island of Ireland Uh, so that's a bit of a headache. I guess companies are hopeful that once they get a bit more used to the, the paperwork then things will begin to operate a bit more smoothly but longer term it's certainly always going to be a lot more difficult to to trade with with Europe and, and Ireland than it's than it's ever been before.
1: There are all these difficulties, there's all this additional paperwork, David, and yet I've heard people say, and this is the honeymoon period.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I'll, I'll highlight a, a couple of things. Um, you know, as I said earlier, we're going through a honeymoon period with... Um, French customs, it might not seem like that, and others who are waving things through in some instances where they wouldn't need to, and Europe will not allow them to going forward. So we're still to see, I think, the crunch point on the uh, uh, on the European side of things. Um, and in particular, I'll also highlight Northern Ireland. You'll, uh, you'll know that there have been some easements and derogations of exports into Northern Ireland, and that includes things like minced meat, which otherwise would be illegal to sell um, in a fresh uh, way to to, uh, Northern Ireland as part of of Europe. So those derogations and easements, uh, the first set of them end on the 1st of April. And then there's another set that end on the 1st of July. So we've got all of that additional um, set of issues to come. And also um, on the 21st of April, Europe will introduce new export health certificates, with a new form, and uh, that'll be another set of additional paperwork that businesses will have to grapple with, having just got used to grappling with the current ones.
1: There is a temptation to roll your eyes, Fraser. You know, and say, I were uh, doomed. You know, there's got to be a plus in this somewhere. You know, do either of you see opportunities ahead that we we simply didn't have before? David?
2: I was going to say, there's a bit of silence there. <laughs> there was. <laughs> Right, here's, here's here's my answer, and I'm hoping Ian has uh, something more, more um, future-gazing. My answer is that the next six months are going to be really difficult. Uh, you know, if you look at what's happening in seafood and, and project that into meat and to, into other products, um, what you will see is the real need to hang on to and continue your relationship with the customers that you have in Europe. So spending time... Making sure that that all works, both for them and for you, is going to be critical. And I think if you can do that, if you can keep your market, then then I think then the the opportunities will continue to flow um, uh, despite the additional costs. Um, but if you lose your market, and we're seeing this in seafood at the moment, um, then there are plenty of other people who would be very happy to supply your customers. So so for me, the the opportunity has to be in strengthening and deepening relationships with your your eu customers to make sure you can get over uh, whatever inevitable bumps there might be over the next few months
0: one person in the in the sector said to me it's it's much easier to lose a customer than to to gain a new one so uh that's that's one of the 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 worries that they have as david's making that point it's, it's really important to try and keep those relationships that have been built up over over a number of years to build on that going forward, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. However, uh, I suppose if you're you're looking for potential opportunities, it's now pretty similar if you're trying to export to Europe, trying to export beyond Europe. It's uh, not so much of a difference now. So companies might be looking a bit bit further afield for future business. Another one is local sourcing, I guess. As we progress through this year, UK is going to begin tightening up its import controls And at that point, it's going to be much harder to import products. So if you're making ready meals, you're making processed products, including meat, then companies are really going to start looking closer to home. Uh, So that's a potential positive for the
1: sector. Between veterinary costs and all this additional paperwork, David, you know, obviously, you know, this is seriously going to impact on profit margins for companies. And there's a limit to how far you can push that down. If it drops below zero, your company's losing money. It's you know, it, you're basically on a timer thereafter. The other option is to hike the price of the food in the first place. Do you see a mixture of the two happening?
2: Yeah, I th- I, I think. There's an inevitability almost that that, that, um, that has to be part of your, your mix of, uh, um, you know, supporting your business going forward. The, you know, there, there is, uh, because there's no tariffs, that means that uh, in general, um, food prices are not necessarily going to rise to the level that ha- was predicted by some, including the British Retail Consortium, who were predicting, you know, a 7 or 8% rise in food prices at least if there had been a no-deal Brexit. But obviously, there's going to be a pressure on food prices. There's also going to be a pressure on uh, cheaper imports from uh, European Union as well. So there's a limit to really what the market will bear in terms of that. And certainly, the indications that we're getting from companies that are reporting to us who've been talking to uh, the supermarkets is that um, there isn't much appetite for price rises at the moment. Everyone, of course, is squeezed, not just by Brexit, but by the COVID pandemic. And uh, uh, in particular, supermarkets will want to defend low prices for customers who are feeling that, economic you know, squeeze of the pandemic.
1: There's an old biblical quotation, you know, we see but through a cloud of glass darkly. You know, certainly, you know, we're two weeks in and we're beginning to get a sense of what the implications are likely to be. Do you think that by the end of this year, by the end of 2021, you know, I'll put this to you first, Ian, that we will have a clear understanding of what we need to do?
0: Uh, you would hope that after a full year of going through the new processes, that people would start to have, have learned them, got used to them, and the government officials at customs will have got used to them as well. So I'd be positive that a year of the new processes. Well, yep, you'll be you'll be getting used to it, and uh, you'll be hopefully adding new customers. Might be that might be a bit much to ask for, but certainly uh, not losing customers.
1: David.
2: Yeah, well, you've already likened me to Private Fraser. So I'll try and uh, keep keep positive. I'm not really a, a, a dooming person. Uh, so, so, yes, I mean, businesses will change. They will evolve. Uh, they will deal with what they have in front of them. And every food business that I've had the pleasure of meeting or working with um, has, uh, you know, had the same attitude, which is, you know, put your tin helmets on and you'll continue to do what you're good at which is producing food and uh so for me um there's enormous resilience in the food and drink sector we've seen it over the course of last year uh with the pandemic we're seeing it um now with the effects of brexit so i really hope that you know businesses are are fitter and in a in a good shape to deal with all these changes by the end of the year and the speed that which businesses um, adapt is uh, is admirable. Um, uh, we saw that in in March as uh, the country locked down uh, and you know the nation need to, needed to be fed and uh, I, I'm seeing it now as businesses grapple with these complexities so I've had a huge faith in Scotland's food and drink industry to uh, weather the storm and continue to uh, be a national pride.
1: I suspect resilience and adaptability will be key words over the next 12 months. We'll just have to wait and see. David Thompson and Ian McDonald, thank you both for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, we're going to be focusing on financial resilience, subtitled How to Make the Most of Your Accountant. I'll be interested in hearing that myself. I'm Mark Stephen. Till the next time, thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.